all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning, Southern Remedy listeners. This is Healthy and Fit, and I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today, we finish up our January Jumpstart to a Healthier You series with wellness screenings. And my guest today is Dr. Lisa Haney, Professor of Nursing and Family Nurse Practitioner at UMC. We want to answer your questions about what exams, tests, and conversations you need to be having with your healthcare provider this year. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send us an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the news. From NPR News in Washington, I'm Windsor Johnston. President Trump has signed another executive action today. NPR's Mara Eliasson reports the new directive will cut back federal regulations. Today, President Trump signed an executive action on regulations. He did it at a ceremony where he was surrounded by small business owners. He said, we're going to knock out two regulations for every one regulation. So that's kind of a easy to understand way to show that he means business. He's promised to slash regulations and slash taxes and make the economic environment easier for businesses. And that's what he's doing today. NPR's Mara Liason. More protests are planned today in response to President Trump's executive order banning refugees from entering the U.S. for four months. Refugees from Syria are banned indefinitely. Immigrants from Iran, Iraq, Libya, Yemen, Somalia and Sudan are banned for 90 days. In Europe, President Trump's travel ban has generated confusion, fear and anger. More than a million people have already signed a petition calling to cancel a state visit by Trump to the United Kingdom later this year. But as NPR's Frank Langford reports, British Prime Minister Theresa May says the meeting will be held as planned. A source at 10 Downing Street says an invitation to meet the Queen won't be rescinded. Quote, America is a huge, important ally, a source told the BBC. We have to think long term. Trump's ban, though, has proved embarrassing to Prime Minister May. On Friday, she became the first foreign leader to meet the new president at the White House. After news of the travel ban broke, though, May was slow to respond, leading critics to say she's been too eager to cozy up to Trump. A protest against the travel ban is planned today outside Downing Street. Frank Langford, NPR News. London. President Trump has reaffirmed the country's commitment to defend South Korea. The White House says he made that pledge during a phone conversation with his South Korean counterpart. Jason Struther and Seoul reports their talks come ahead of a visit to Asia by new Defense Secretary James Mattis. During their chat, President Trump and South Korea's acting leader, Hwang Kyo-an, discussed strengthening their defenses against North Korea. The White House says the president confirmed the U.S.'s, quote, ironclad commitment to the South. 
Later this week, James Mattis will travel to Seoul and Tokyo on his first overseas trip as Secretary of Defense. Security analysts see his visit to the region as a means of reassuring allies of America's support. During the presidential campaign, Trump threatened to pull soldiers out of South Korea and Japan unless they pay more to host U.S. bases. For NPR News, I'm Jason Strother in Seoul. Consumer spending in the U.S. rose a half percent in December. The Commerce Department says that's the sharpest gain since last September. Stocks are trading lower on Wall Street at this hour. The Dow was down 166 points. The Nasdaq down 59. The S&P down 20. This is NPR News in Washington. Canadian officials are calling last night's deadly shooting at a mosque in Quebec City an act of terror. Six people were killed and another 19 were wounded in the attack. Royal Canadian Mounted Police Superintendent Martine Plan says it's formed a joint team with provincial and local police to investigate the incident. We engaged our structure to actually further investigate it and then uh, that will assist in determining if in fact it is a terrorist attack or or it's uh, another type of crime. Authorities say two suspects are in custody. Screening scans to look for lung cancer involve a huge amount of effort and save very few lives. That's according to a study of veterans. NPR's Richard Harris reports the test mostly produces false alarms. Federal health officials decided in 2013 that CT scans to look for lung cancer do more good than harm among people with a history of heavy smoking. So the Veterans Health Administration did a huge study to see what it would take to make this test available free to veterans in their care. The answer, published in JAMA Internal Medicine, was that it took a huge amount of effort on the part of the hospitals, but the benefit was modest. Researchers offered screening to more than 4,000 vets. 2,100 people ultimately got a scan, and in that group, 60% had findings that turned out to be false alarms. Screening caught just 20 cases of potentially treatable cancer. Richard Harris, NPR News. On Wall Street, the Dow was down 168 points, the Nasdaq down 59. I'm Windsor Johnston, NPR News, in Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Bluevine, offering businesses revolving lines of credit to cover expenses, make payroll, purchase supplies, and to expand. Credit lines up to $100,000. Learn more at Bluevine.com. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. Listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today I'm so excited to have Dr. Lisa Haney in the studio with me. Dr. Haney is also a nurse practitioner and a professor of nursing at UMC. And Dr. Haney was actually one of my instructors when I was in school learning how to do all of this. And uh, Dr. Haney is one of our clinic directors as well. School of Nursing runs multiple clinics across the uh, metro area as well as into the Delta. And Dr. Haney leads that effort. Good morning, Dr. Haney. 
Good morning, Josie. Thank you so much for having me today. And thanks for pointing out that I taught you, so that's showing my age and as well. A, you look great. <laughs> so uh, you were very, very, very young when you Thank were you. my teacher. So. <laughs> Uh, and it's not been that long since I was in school, so you're you're fine. But I do want to bring up um, our Delta clinics. So a lot of times uh, on the show we focus on uh, things that are happening in the metro area, but we do have several clinics in the Delta and something called the Mercy Delta Express that you are in charge of. Tell me a little bit about the Mercy Delta Express. Okay. The Mercy Delta Express project started approximately, I'd say, 10 to 11 years ago. Um, it began as a mobile clinic that was donated, a 42-foot RV that was donated from the Sisters of Mercy out of Vicksburg, Mississippi. And over the years, it um, served the Issaquina, Sharky Issaquina area as a means for um, health screenings, health fairs, as well as dental screenings. And it was a, a collaboration with the dental school at the medical center and the nursing school. Over time, has evolved um, what was mobile clinic, and the need was we saw that the need there was need in the schools. We had done a lot of work with the South Delta School District, which covers the children of Sharkey and Sequina counties. And over time, we found that there was some need within the schools for health care. And um, so we started, I guess it went from mobile in-house over about a two-year span in 2010 and 2011 we opened four school-based health centers the first being at the um, South Delta Middle School in Anguilla Mississippi and then the second was the Ripley Blackwell Head Start in Myersville Mississippi the third was the South Delta Elementary School in Roland Fork. And finally the last in the last couple of years we've opened South Delta High School a clinic there these are all areas that are um, healthcare provider shortage areas, as well as medically underserved rural areas. And um, we're able to do a lot of wellness visits, for which we're going to be talking about today, um, and screenings called EPSTT screenings. And these are early and periodic screenings, um, and we do diagnosis and treatment. So we're able to do the wellness screenings and episodic care if a child's sick. Um, we work closely with our physicians and healthcare providers in town. Uh, in those communities, as well as the medical center for um, for specialty care. And you mentioned those wellness screenings, and that that is what we're going to talk about today. We're talking about health and wellness, and what kind of exams and tests you should be having. And that's what we want to talk to you guys about. So give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send us an email at fit at mpbonline.org, and we'll be happy to help you figure out what tests you're supposed to be having done, how often you should be going to your health care provider, or even what the results of those screenings uh, may mean for you in the future. So you mentioned these EPSDTs, and these are for children, correct? Correct. And um, this is a service or a wellness exam. Should I, I call it from uh, two weeks old. We see them in the clinics. Um, I know at Unicare Clinic where you practice, um, we see the brand new babies, two weeks old, all the way up to um, 18, 19 years old, typically in the high school age group. And we do things, we wait, 
height BMI so that we're making sure that kids are growing well, that um, we're keeping a watch on their weight. We do hearing and vision. We do a little dental checkup, not anything like you would have at the dentist, but just a a general overview, see if we see anything that might be broken or infected that needs to be repaired. Um, We do blood pressure checks. And And these are done every year right? um, on a regular basis. And they're a way to find if there's something wrong, we can catch it early and get them taken care of. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. I did get a tweet over the weekend from Julie who asked me a question. She said, my kids immunizations are up to date. You know, that's usually what we take folk, we take our kids to the doctor because they need their Correct. shots. She said, my kids shots are up to date. Why do I need to take them for a wellness visit every year? I hear that question a lot. Um, that's a great question. We do those um, screenings, the immunizations you have to have in order to go to school in the state of Mississippi. But as well, the wellness exams are so important. For instance, we do as uh, Dr. Bidwell just said, we do the hearing and vision screenings every year, as well as height, weight, BMIs. They are a way to find if something happens, if we find something wrong, say your child's vision has gotten worse over the last year, we're able to find that and get that child in for glasses or further um, exam, you know, further exams to a specialist if need be. All right, because if kids can't see, they can't learn. learn. And that may manifest itself as, you know, acting out or not being able to sit still in class or things that we may interpret as as, as an ADHD problem. But it may be because the little kid can't see or can't hear. And so that's why wellness exams are so important. So we pick up on those things. That's what the word screening means. Screening means picking up on a problem before there are kind of signs of it that you might see. So that's why it's so important, even when your kid is well, that you still make those appointments to go in every year and do that because those are things that we're looking at. We also do safety questionnaires. You know, we talk to kids about you know, what they should be eating, how much television they should be watching, um, water safety, sun safety. All of those things are rolled into a wellness visit for a child and are such important parts of of their overall wellness. And we want to answer your questions about wellness. Please give us a call at 1-877-672-7464 or shoot me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. So moving from kids into just general wellness, what every single person needs to have done on a routine basis, what are some of the things that we need to have done? Well, um, I know one of the big questions I get, I do a lot with adolescents um, in our high school clinics and a lot of adolescent counseling and stuff. So one of the things, and I've seen this change, you and I talked about this earlier, how we both, when we got out of pri- or out of school, you did a pap smear. If, a, if a, um, say, an adolescent, a teen came into the clinic and needed a, a, that part of the wellness exam done or was having, um, needed it was just part of the wellness exam. Right. And um, now new guidelines say that you don't do that until they're 21 years old. So that's been a change in practice and a change for um, of thinking in the community that um, communities that we serve is that you do not need that pap smear until you're 21 years old, regardless of sexual. Right. It used to be activity. age 18 or three years after the first sexual encounter. And now it's 21. And so pap smears, um, for those who may not be familiar with the term, 
I know most ladies are, but men, you do not need a pap smear. Um, pap smears are the pelvic exam where we do cervical cancer screening for ladies, and that does start at age 21 now. So, ladies, if you're out there and you're just about to turn 21, it is time to have that exam done. And Dr. Haney, why? Because it's certainly not an exam that most folks look forward to. Why should we have that done? It, Like you said earlier, it is the test to determine if there's cervical cancer. And it's one of those very treatable cancers. So the earlier that is found, the quicker we can get you in to specialty or for it to be treated. And there's a, um, and the resolve rates are the um, are very well, are right. very good. When caught early, cervical cancer is incredibly treatable. Um, so it's so important to get that that screening test done, which is what that pap smear is, um, so that we can do that for you. Now, I know that there are some other things that we can do during that same exam for ladies. Um, STD screening, for instance, what are those tests and is that normal to have those done? Good question. And one of the things I also want to make um, clear is you there are women that come in um, that have problems that may have a vaginal discharge or other issues with their cycles um, that need to be checked those things will be checked at the time they just will not have a pap smear done Um, one of the things we do is std testing some of the things that you can do are a gonorrhea and chlamydia screening also we can do a wet prep where we take a sample of that discharge and can look under the microscope and determine a few things um, that could be and treat it then now um when you do do the chlamydia and gonorrhea sample that takes it has to go to the lab and um and checked out and then we will your healthcare provider will contact you if you need to be treated as well as your partner so we've mentioned several things we've mentioned pap smears and we've mentioned these std screenings what i want ladies to be aware is know what you're having done um i see people all the time and i'll say when was your last pap smear and they'll say it was the last time i was here and i'll check and it was actually all we did was std screening at that time because they were having a problem so just because we go down below doesn't mean a pap smear happens and it also doesn't mean we did std screenings so talk with your healthcare provider about what you're having done so that you know when you're due for something else. So STD screening doesn't have to be a part of a pap smear. What uh, you should be talking to your healthcare provider about is if you're at an increased risk for an STD. So, you know, multiple sexual partners or unprotected sex, those need to be have screening done for STDs because a lot of the STDs, gonorrhea, chlamydia, while they may have some symptoms, they may not sometimes. Correct. And so we definitely want to get those screened for and taken care of because untreated gonorrhea and chlamydia can actually do damage to the organs down there where you might not be able to have children, increase your risk for ectopic pregnancy, that kind of thing. So ladies, make sure you know what's going on uh, down there and keep track of when you're due uh, for your exams. We're going to take a quick break, and we want to hear from you, so give us a call at one mpd ring That's one 672 7464 Send me an email at fit at
informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Aaron, who's called in from Arkansas. Mary in Ocean Springs. Marlou is on the line in Jackson. Rachel is in Clarksdale. At MPB Think Radio, we are everywhere you want to go. Sardis, Henleyville, Greenwood, Jackson, Oxford, Ocean Springs, Meridian, Hattiesburg, and we're going to Memphis. So go anywhere you want. We'll be right there with you. MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. Listen to stories and shows. Go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, here with my guest, Dr. Lisa Haney, and we're answering your questions today about wellness screenings and health checkups. Dr. Haney, we we left, we were talking about pap smears and women's health, and we're going to kind of make a turn and talk about general health right now because we do have a call from Al in Mobile. Good morning, Al. Good morning. Good morning. Um, You talked about screening for BMI with the kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I really wish they'd had that because I was a fat kid that turned into a fat adult. No. Um, and, of course, they claim that diets don't work and there's no solution. But I have to say I, I found a solution and it's in the 12-step program. And I know that you say that to doctors and they oh, well, we do behavior modification and stuff. But overuse anonymous works as well as alcoholics anonymous. Now, it works better when healthcare professionals you know, send people to Overeaters Anonymous, and we send people say, you know, that's a medical problem. You need to go. But it, it works really well. I'm 100 pounds below where I was. Fantastic. Good for you. Ago, and it stayed off. Great job. I'm so glad to hear you say that. And you mentioned, you know, BMI screening. And so BMI is body mass index. And it takes a look at your height versus your weight. And it's a calculation. And it gives us a number and, you know, a healthy weight for an adult and healthy BMI for an adult is somewhere between about 18.5 and 24.9. And once we get over that into that 25 to 30 range, we're overweight and then over 30, we're obese. So it is a screening tool. I want to emphasize that because different body types are made up of different amounts of of fat and muscle. Uh, So it is a screening exam. And for children, the way we use it is, is theirs is more than just a number. So you know, if I screen a child, which I did yesterday, well, not yesterday, but Friday, and they have a BMI 15, that does not mean they're underweight. That is um, what we have to do is take their number and then plot them on a growth chart, just like we do for their height and their weight, and we get a percentile for them. And so kids that are above the 85th percentile, we consider they're, they're overweight. And if they're over the 95th percentile, we're worried about obesity in those kids. And we do want to get them in and get them treated because, as you mentioned, kids who tend to be 
overweight as as little kids if we don't do something then that pattern continues on into adulthood and it's much harder for us to get that weight off uh, once we get get to that so and you mentioned diets don't work and truly we've talked about fad diets on this show uh in the past couple of weeks and Fad diets don't work. Lifestyle changes work. And so I'm happy to hear you say that you were able to, you know, modify your behavior, get into a program that really worked for you and and change how you were living. And 100 pounds is phenomenal. That is amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. BMI qualified me for a stomach stapling or whatever they call it these days. So uh, it was it was serious. Yes, yes. So usually uh, BMIs over about uh, 35 or so will qualify you for bariatric surgery um, uh, now. And so that is a viable option for a lot of, of folks that are having trouble getting this weight off. So, Al, thank you so much for calling us today and sharing thank your story you with our listeners. Great job. You are a tremendous service to the, the public. Oh, well, thank you so much. That just makes my Monday right there. You call me anytime, okay? Okay. All right. Bye-bye. 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 Well, that was a fantastic story from Al about his BMI. And that just, you know, it really hits home that once you make your mind up, you can make you can do a healthier change. And sometimes it takes a healthcare provider showing you the numbers, um, which is what our job is, is to show you where you are, but also for us to help you get where you need to be. So we talked about women's health. Um, we talked about pap smears. What about the kind of top half of the ladies? So uh, mammograms and breast exams. Good question. This is where we see kind of some leeway. Um, different guidelines are out there um, from different organizations. Um, you'll see mammograms should be done between the ages of 40 or 50, depending on insurances, depending on the guidelines, different, org- like I said, different organizations. Um, that is something you discuss with your health provider and it also we look um, strongly look at family history um, and determine at that point when your initial one needs to be done and it's very important that you stay consistent um, if you change providers say you have one done at one place this year and then you go to another place oftentimes the health care provider would like to con- um, look at both of the results and compare and make sure there's no changes. So it's important that you that those screenings kind of go with you. So that's one thing tidbit yeah, I can yeah, throw in that's there. That's absolutely correct. You know, you want to, that's the importance of finding a medical home. Exactly. And, you know, when I say medical home, it's it's finding a healthcare provider that you're going to stick with for a long period of time. Now, absolutely, if you're unhappy with your healthcare provider, you find one that you're happy with. But when, once you find that one, stick around with them and, because we really, we remember your your medical history and the things that have caused you problems in the past and we're able to to better provide you with screenings that that you need and catch things sooner you know we do look at your mammograms from one year to the next to make sure that everything looks kind of the same in that but you mentioned age 40 to 50 uh, it really depends on you know truly which set of guidelines you look at but i tell ladies when you're in that uh late 30s age range, you know, 37, 38, just go ahead and start having that conversation with your healthcare provider. When do I need to get 
a mammogram and, you know, really delve into that family history and see, you know, if your mom had breast cancer and her mom had that breast first cancer. Line relative. Right. Your sister had breast cancer. Then that puts you in a whole different category. Exactly. And we want to get that done, um, that screening done much, much sooner. Now, there are other things that we can do besides a mammogram, right? We can do um, the clinical breast exam, which is when you're in with your healthcare provider and we actually fill and check your breast for lumps and bumps. And that we do every year. Right. Come. And we also, it's very important at that time when we were doing these wellness exams, that's part of our teaching. As, as we're doing that clinical breast exam, we also teach the self-breast exam. And that's something you ladies can do every month. And men, actually. It's very important. We don't want to leave out men because right. there is male breast cancer. There is. It is not talked about as much, but it is out there. It is. And what, um, what we explain to women is um, if you're having a cycle, you check it uh, the week after your cycle because usually before the week before your cycle or during your cycle, your breast may be lumpy and bumpy, I say, or, or tender. So that's not really a good time to check. So it's best to check the week after your cycle. And then um, if you are not having cycles, say you're on, um, you've had a hysterectomy or you are menopausal or you have, or you're on a form of birth control that is that allows you not to have cycles. You have an IUD or on depot, something like that. Exactly. Um, in that case, I tell women to take their birth date, uh, say it's January 24th. Okay, you'll check your breast on February 24th. March 24th and April 24th and so on. So you kind of have that day to check. Right, and it gets to be a habit. Exactly. You're like, today's the 24th. I'm supposed to do something. Exactly. And you, you, know, you remember what it is. That's an excellent tip. And it's also very important if you ever feel anything a little if, that you're unsure of, always go check with your um, health care provider. Better safe than sorry. And um, uh, one of the things that women don't realize, and we do teach, is to also express their nipple. Mm-hmm. And if they ever have a discharge or something coming out of their nipple, that's something that needs to be checked as well. Absolutely. That's kind of the end part of the, the breast exam. You just kind of give a little gentle squeeze to make sure that there's no drainage coming out from there. And then remember that you got breast tissue that extends up into your armpit. That's right. So you want to feel all the way up into your armpit and even right above your um, collarbone, you want to feel right there. You've got lymph nodes that live right along in there and you should never ever feel any of those those hide underneath the bone and if you feel something there that could point to a problem that you need to get in and see us we're answering your questions today about wellness and screenings give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org now um the reason i think self-breast exams are so incredibly important is because i see you once a year and I feel your breast once a year. And you're right. People, different women, depending on different, different points in their cycle, have lumpy bumpiness to their breasts. Exactly. And I certainly don't want to become overly alarmed when I feel one of those. But I often say, do you feel right here? Do you feel that every month when you do your exams? You get to know what your own breasts feel like exactly. when you do your monthly exams. And that way you are very quickly able to pick up on any change that That's you see there. So very, very important. Another thing I tell ladies to do, do it in the shower because mm-hmm. you're you're relaxed. It's warm in there. Your hands are usually soapy and you'll be able to glide over the tissue easier and feel anything um, from that perspective. So it's a good, good time to do that. And also um, I want to add to that is um, stand in front of the mirror 
and look at your breast to make sure that you don't see any dimpling or t- abnormal tissue. Um, those are things, also things that need to be checked out if you do see something that doesn't look right. And do it in a couple of positions. Stand with your arms down by your sides and then put your hands over your head your and head. make sure that you don't see anything pulling or dimpling like a dent into the into the tissue because that can mean that there's some kind of something underneath there that's pulling on the tissue when you move. So those are all great tips to make sure that we're taking care of our breasts. Um, we don't want to leave our men out, though. So we mentioned that um, men should be doing breast exams as well because while it is much more rare than female breast cancer, men can have breast cancer. And so they need to be doing the same thing. So they would pick that day, just like you said, pick a day and um, do that. Now, the other part to male uh, wellness that we want to do is testicular exams. Exactly. So why should we do, why should men be doing testicular exams? To find, determine if there are any um, nodules or cancer lesions that may be found in their testicles. And these are very, very important exams that we also teach the male patient when they come in, and they're to be done monthly as well. And a lot of folks don't you know, think cancer happens as you get older. And actually, the greatest risk for testicular cancer is between about age 18 and 35. That college. So, yeah, so our young adult males are at an increased risk for testicular cancer. So again, in the shower, when your hands are soapy, you just want to feel around your testicles and make sure that you don't feel any mumps or masses or anything that's painful. If you do, you need to call your healthcare provider and get in and have that um, seen about sooner rather than later. There are some other things that can cause lumps and bumps down there, but we want to have a healthcare provider check that out to make sure that it's nothing serious. Because again, all these screenings and, and tools that we're giving you today can get you, if you find something, can get you into that healthcare provider soon enough to help um, you know, these are all very treatable right. cancers. Testicular cancer is very treatable when caught um, early. Caught so it's early. definitely something you want to be um, checking every month, just like uh, the female breast exam. Give us a call with your questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send us an email at, m- at fit at mpbonline.org. And we'll be back with Dr. Haney after the break. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. 
President Trump is expected to announce his choice for the U.S. Supreme Court in the coming week. I am looking to appoint judges very much in the mold of Justice Scalia. I'm Ari Shapiro. We'll talk with NPR's Nina Totenberg about the judges who may be on the president's shortlist and the expected confirmation battle. Later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Dr. Josie Bidwell here with Dr. Lisa Haney, and we're answering your questions today about health and wellness, what screenings you need at each age, and pretty much any questions about general health that we can help you out with today. We've talked about what screenings women should be getting. We've talked about what screenings men should be getting. But what about just everybody? So what's just everybody supposed to be getting done? Very good question. Um, One of the main ones that everybody has heard of, or the two things that people have heard of and know about um, are blood pressure and glucose screens or diabetes screens. So those are very, very important um, as we get older that we get checked. The blood pressure, on the other hand, is part of that EPSTT uh, screen that we talked about earlier. That's done at every every year. We usually start about age three or so, yes. um, checking blood pressures on those kiddos. So that we can catch, again, we can catch things as um, as they get older and get them treated as, as needed. And, you know, blood pressure is, we have tons of high blood pressure here in Mississippi. And, you know, it's really important that we know our numbers on our blood pressure because blood pressure is what we like to call the silent killer. You know, blood pressure does not have a whole lot of symptoms when blood pressure is elevated. You know, you're not, you know, wake up in the morning, you're like, "Mm, man, my blood pressure is high today. You know, there's not a whole lot to tell you that you've got a high blood pressure, but it's doing damage when you've got uh, high blood pressure. So, you know, briefly what that is, is, you know, your heart pumps blood all around to your body. And if the vessels are too small or if they're hardened from um, high cholesterol and and plaque, then the pressure inside that vessel is too great. And that's what we measure as blood pressure. And just think about um, if you were uh, lifting weights, when you lift weights, your uh, muscles get bigger. Well, your heart's a muscle, but it doesn't make your heart work better when your heart muscle gets bigger. It actually makes it work less effectively. Um, and it's not able to pump blood around uh, as well as it should. And those vessels can kind of clog off and we can have heart attacks and strokes. And, you know, that's so important coming up for this week because Friday is uh, Go Red for Women's Day. Right. That's and, right. And uh, so we want to be highlighting uh, heart disease in women uh, next week. But it's important for everybody to know their numbers when it comes to blood pressure. So what is a normal blood pressure? A normal blood pressure in the adult is 120 over 80. That's a good marker to tell. We tell our patients. And um, now, it can be broken down into different things. We have prehypertension and hypertension, and that's um, something, you know, different ranges. But 
the goal is 120 over 80. Right. And so that top number is that systolic number, if you hear us throwing out those fancy words, and that bottom number is the diastolic number, and they are both equally as important. You know, about probably 20, 25 years ago, we used to kind of just focus on the systolic number, and that's what we worried about, you know, what that top number was. But that bottom number is just as important because the bottom number is actually the pressure inside the vessels when your heart is resting. So, you know, your heart goes beat, takes a break, beat, Mm -hmm. takes a break, beat, takes a break. So if you've got a lot of pressure in there when that heart is supposed to be taking a little bit of a break, it doesn't get a chance to recover like it should. And that can do damage to our kidneys. Um, You know, we've got all this pressure pushing against our kidneys, and that's why we have renal failure that's actually associated with high blood pressure. So make sure you're getting your blood pressure checked every single year by your healthcare provider and pay attention to those numbers. Ask the nurse that takes your pressure to write that down for you so that you have a copy of um, your blood pressure. And if it's not where you want to be, talk to your healthcare provider about how we can get it down. It doesn't always mean medicines. There are things we can do with your diet to help bring it down. Now, if your pressure is very, very, very elevated, you know, 160 over 100, probably going to need some medication in there as well. But we can use diet and exercise to help bring that down. That's that's correct. And also um, take advantage of any screenings in your community and um, take the results. Usually you're going to receive, I know when we do screenings in the Delta region, we do know your number cards. Mm -hmm. And that's where we do a lot of the teaching about the 120 over 80. And we ask our participants to take those, um, their their results with them and take them back to their healthcare provider so they just kind of know what's going on and keep up with it. So it's very, very important. And we also emphasize if you are placed on medicine to be sure you take that medicine. It, you know, give it time. I know some of them may pe- make people not feel very good, but it's very, very important you take them and that does the the symptoms, adverse effects do get better and better. I'm so glad you talk about that because if you're taking a medication and you're not happy with the way it's making you feel, don't just stop. Talk to your healthcare provider because there may be an alternative that we can try that will not make you feel quite so crummy. Correct. So, you know, don't think we're going to be mad at you if you tell us that that blood pressure medicine is just making you too tired. Um, There's so many there options, so many out, options there. out there. Let us help you find one that works for you. Um, the same goes for blood sugar medicines. Correct. You know, just make sure that you're having that conversation so that we can get a medication that works for you on that. So blood sugar is also something that we screen out in the community. You know, Definitely. Um, you and I both are usually out in the community at least once or twice a month doing these screenings. Um, we do blood pressure and blood sugar and height, weight, and BMI screenings. And um, a blood sugar screening kind of points us in the direction of, of diabetes, right? Exactly. And it's very, very important um, if you do participate in a screen or it's time for your appointment at your healthcare provider, that you go what we call fasting. That means nothing by food or drink that would be sugary or would make a change after midnight the night before. That does not mean you can't have water. You can have water. And that does not give you a pass to not take your medications. That right. Day. So you right. need to take your medications and you can have the water to right. get those medications Always drink down. some water and take your medications because then you show up to your appointment, your blood pressure is you know, way out of control. And I don't know whether it's really uncontrolled or whether it's because we missed that medication. So take, that your take your medications. Um, if you have questions about blood sugar, about blood pressures, cholesterol, colonoscopies, any of those wellness questions, we want to answer those. 
give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Now, one thing I want to talk to people about is when they're getting their blood pressure checked. There are some kind of keys to success for yes. that because we want to make sure that we're getting an accurate blood pressure for that. So don't smoke. Don't drink something with caffeine in it about 30 minutes before because that's going to make your pressure go up. Um, When you sit down to have your blood pressure checked, don't cross your legs. If you cross your legs, which I know is a habit, as soon as I sit down, I cross my legs. But when you cross your legs, it actually shunts the blood back up to your heart at a greater rate and it will make your blood pressure be falsely high. So just keep your legs uncrossed. Keep your feet on the ground. You also want to sit up straight with your back against a chair and don't talk. So I know silence sometimes makes people feel uncomfortable and they feel like they need to talk to the nurse as we're taking their blood pressure. And we very much want to talk to mm-hmm. you, but not right now. Just wait till so, it's done. Um, we're done. If you, <laughs> as you talk, that also makes your blood pressure go up. And right. so you don't want a healthcare provider making a, a medical decision, you know, what to change your blood pressure medicine or to start blood pressure medicine on a blood pressure that was not taken correctly. So we like for you to come in and sit down and rest for a couple of minutes before we take that pressure and to repeat it. Um, You do two separate measurements about a minute apart um, and make sure that everything is okay because some folks have what we call white coat hypertension. I was just about to bring that up. (laughs) And so I like to tell them, well, I don't wear a white coat, so don't be scared of me. But it it happens nonetheless and it's just really healthcare provider uh, anxiety when they come in they think they're going to get in trouble or or they're nervous about what their readings will be and that will make it go up so we do want to um make sure that we give them a little bit of a rest uh in the clinic before we check their blood uh, and if blood it's pressure. elevated we're going to recheck it right absolutely um, before absolutely. we let before we let you go usually before we diagnose somebody with uh, with true high blood pressure it's going to be on a couple of different occasions exactly. that we check your blood pressure before we truly say that and we have a call from lois and hazelhurst good morning Good morning. I have a question. Now, um, I've had many tests, and I've always been told NPO after midnight. Right. Of course, I can have a sip of water to take mm-hmm. my morning medication. Mm-hmm. You uh, Correct me, but you just said that you can drink water other than just a sip? You can't drink water? If you're just having blood work done, you can have water. Now, if you're going to have surgery... You don't want anything in that tummy when they put you to sleep because that you could um, kind of throw that up in surgery and aspirate it. Right. Now, if you're just going to have your, you know, your three month follow up for your blood pressure and blood sugar and cholesterol, absolutely drink some water. Um, It actually makes it harder on the nurse to draw blood on you. If you haven't had anything to drink all night long and you don't drink anything that next morning, you're a little bit dry. And so it makes us hard to get that sample out from you. But yes, you can have um, water. Lots of um, places will tell you you can have black coffee without uh, sugar or creamer in it. Um, I don't love that because it's got the caffeine in it and that's going to hop your blood pressure up but plain water is just fine okay i mean i'm just always of course i know about the surgery but i've just Mm -hmm. always said 
any kind of test NPO after midnight. Okay. If so, you're just coming in for your regular visit and and uh, getting just you know regular blood work done, there's really no reason you can't have water. I mean, of course, always check that with your individual healthcare well, provider to make sure that they don't have some special reason. But you know, patients that are coming to see me, no, please drink some water that morning. I actually give you some when you get to the clinic because I want you good <laughs> and, and hydrated. Because I'm usually going to ask for a urine sample too. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and you know, urine samples tell us a lot about folks. And so if you haven't had anything to drink all night long, it's going to show me that you're a little dehydrated. And I certainly don't want to be making medical decisions off of, of that as well. So absolutely go ahead and have you some water. Okay. Well, thank you. You're so welcome. You have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So that kind of brings me to another topic that I wanted to talk about, and that is uh, cholesterol. Yes. Because that is a big one out there yes, yes. is cholesterol. And if you have questions about cholesterol, shoot us an email at fit at mpbonline.org or call us right now at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So cholesterol, what is the big deal with cholesterol? Cholesterol affects so much uh, so many things in your body and it's so important that when we um, do the testing is to make sure that everything is okay and when we screen it and to get to make inter- or do interventions if it's comes back abnormal or elevated and um, it's one of those things that we can control uh, it, uh, again family history does play a role in this um, and it's important that we know uh, people's family history but the good thing is we can make a difference by diet exercise. So cholesterol is you know part of the fatty substances in our blood and the reason we worry about what people's cholesterol levels are is because when they're too high they can kind of plug up the arteries and when you plug up your arteries you can't get blood either to your heart so heart attacks or to your brain and we have strokes so we want to manage those cholesterol numbers. Now we used to have very, very hard and fast rules. Uh, Total cholesterol needed to be below 200. Mm -hmm. Uh, LDL, which is the bad cholesterol, um, needed to be under 100. Mm -hmm. And your HDL, which is your good cholesterol, and the way I remember that is because it's happy, age for happy. (laughs) So your happy cholesterol should be be high, actually. So, you know, over 45 to to 50 um, because it's actually protective to your heart. Now, the guidelines got redone recently and so it's a little less hard and fast rule which i actually like um it takes a little bit more effort you got to really look at the patient's family history and the other things that are going on to decide when we need treatment but it's still good general rules you know if your ldl is over 100 we need to start looking at how we're going to treat that doesn't necessarily mean i'm going to put you on cholesterol medication but we definitely got to start working on diet and exercise those behavior modifications yes yes exercise is one of the best ways to kind of bump up that hdl yes um and get that going uh, and we'll talk we actually have a question about um cholesterol from carmen in macon good morning carmen good morning how are you i'm doing good i had a question about uh cholesterol in venison um uh, online, some things I say, see say is low and other things is high, and I don't really know how much cholesterol there is in venison. So, you know, venison is, is deer meat, and deer meat is actually a, a relatively lean cut of meat. So uh, I really tell folks, don't get incredibly hung up on the dietary cholesterol in things look more at the fat and the saturated fat content because that's what's actually going to hang around with you longer so venison is a a 
perfectly acceptable um, way to get in your protein in a low fat way. You just have to be careful how you prepare it. It's the cooking. Yeah, because, you know, I grew up with deer meat that was battered and fried and it was delicious. And that's how I like it. But it is no <laughs> that's longer, not the way to do it. <laughs> no longer lean if you batter it and fry it. So, you know, definitely you can keep eating that venison. It's a, you know, a, a good part, a good place in your diet for that. Does okay, that help? Thank you. Yes. All right. Thank you. And we have uh, Jake from Natchez asking about HDL being too high. Go ahead, Jake. Uh, I was just curious. My cholesterol is actually good. The uh, LDL is way down, um, like below 60, but and the HDL is like 105. Wow. Above 200. Is there, and I've tried to research it, is there any harm in your HDL being too hot? No, you should be fine with that. I, that's the highest I've ever seen. That's so congratulations of, on that. that. That's a good thing. <laughs> it is. You know, yeah. what we look at when we look at uh, risk the is, uh, right, is the ratio of bad cholesterol to total cholesterol. And so those are the two that we, you know, really focus on, you know, being too high. Um, I will tell you that you can go online and look up, um, cardiovascular disease risk assessment and you can put in your age and all your readings and it will give you a a risk percentile as far as your risk for having a cardiovascular event uh, in the next 10 years and for a lifetime risk so that may help you with that but no your hdl i would like to have it can i have some i'll borrow it too (laughs) because i What was the name of the uh, website again? So you can, you just go to, just go to Google and type in cardiovascular risk assessment. Got it. And there'll, and there'll be a calculator there um, that you can put that in. If you can't find it, shoot me an email and I'll be happy to send you a link as well. Thank you. You're so welcome. You have a great Monday. You too. Bye-bye. All right, we do have a few uh, more minutes to take calls. If you want to give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one 672 7464 or give us a, a, an email at fit at mpbonline.org. And we're answering your questions about wellness and screenings and blood pressure and cholesterol and all those things in between. We'll be back after the break. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. MPB's at issue has the 2017 legislative session covered from all angles. You'll hear each week from Mississippi's most influential elected leaders at the state capitol. MPB political analysts Republican Austin Barber and Democrat Brandon Jones provide insight on the critical issues facing the state and how these issues impact you. Join host Wilson Stribling for Mississippi's only statewide television news program at issue Fridays at 7.30 p.m. on MPB TV. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. 
This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell here with Dr. Lisa Haney, and we're taking your questions on health and wellness today. And we've got a couple callers on the line, and we want to get to those before uh, we run out of time today. So I'm going to go to Natchez and Dee Dee. Good morning, Dee Dee. Good morning. How? Dee Dee. Hello. Hey, how, how are you? All right. I was calling to ask how do you, how do they determine that 120 over 80 is the average? blood pressure for everybody because I've always been a big person Mm -hmm. and uh, I wonder how can everybody be 120 over 80. So 120 over 80 is is not what we call average. It's what we call optimal. So optimal meaning that looking at tons and tons and tons of data over time, meaning people's blood pressures versus the number of heart attacks that have happened, the number of strokes that have happened, the number of cardiac deaths that have happened, um, the kidney issues, all of that, all of that data together, we have looked at a number that is provides us the best decreased risk of having one of these cardiovascular events. So, you know, 20, 25 years ago, it actually was 140 is what we said, is what we thought was optimal. And yet we still had folks who were having cardiovascular events at that. So that's why that number has come down to 120 over 80 as what we consider optimal, knowing that some people are going to have lower blood pressures than that, and that's okay. And that some people may even actually have a little bit higher blood pressure than that, and that may be okay depending on their other healthcare problems. You know, if I can't get you to 120 over 80 without bottoming your blood pressure out, which would make you feel like stink all the time, then I may be okay with you having a little bit higher pressure. But for the general population, we use that 120 over 80 as a cutoff for knowing that that, that we're reducing your risk for having a heart attack or stroke. Does that help? Yes, ma'am. It does. I got one more little... Sure. Uh, Lay it on me. What test uh, uh, or run to find out if you got cholesterol? It's actually called a lipid profile. And so that is a test that you need to be fasting for. So nothing to eat or drink except for water about eight hours before the test. And it's just one little vial of blood that we send off to the lab. And it gives us your whole lipid profile and tells us that total cholesterol, the bad, the good, and your triglycerides. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. You have a great Monday. All right. You too. Thanks. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to go to James in Wiggins. Good morning, James. Hi. Hi. What can we help you with today? Okay. I have I was diagnosed with high cholesterol when I was 48. Okay. okay? I'm 65 now, and I have been on statins since I was 48. Okay. Okay. Now, doctors have told me, and I've gone through three, four of them now, Okay. That I well, I'm going to die if I don't, you know, change my diet, you know, and all that stuff. Well, I'm still living. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm glad. Now I have changed my diet some, but, right. but not a lot. Right. My question is why? Why? 
why I'm still alive. Oh, why you're still alive? Well, because yeah. it's just not your time, I would say. You know, we don't know why cholesterol affects some people uh, differently than it does others. What we do know is that if that cholesterol is causing buildup on the insides of your arteries, that uh, that's all about that. right. That's what causes the heart attack and strokes. So, in folks that um, that I have that have very high cholesterol, what I actually recommend is that we do something called um, a cardiac calcium score, which is actually a little um, scan of the chest, and it will tell me how much plaque you have going on inside your coronary arteries, and that will um, give us a little bit greater risk factor uh, analysis on that. But I'm glad you're still alive, James, and I still want you to work on that diet and keep taking that statin medication. And uh, give me a call anytime, and I hope to see everybody back next week when we talk about uh, women's heart health. And I have ladies from uh, the Go Red for Women campaign on the show. You've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell here with my guest, Dr. Lisa Haney, and we've so enjoyed spending our Monday with you, and we look forward to spending next Monday with you as well. See you next time on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit.